from New York City, the Comedy Cellar and Rethink Production present Live from America Podcast. We will make America great again. How about new, you crazy Dutch bastard? Live from America Podcast. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created. No, 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 no. Excuse me. Just so you understand. We can't be the stupid country anymore. Live from America podcast. I believe we can keep the promise of our founding. The idea that if you're willing to work hard, it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from or what you look like or where you love. It doesn't matter whether you're black or white or Hispanic or Asian or Native American or young or old or rich or poor, able, disabled, gay or straight. You can make it here in America if you're willing to try. It's just words, folks. It's just words. This is Live from America Podcast with Noam Dorman and Haddon Gab. So we are back from the Comedy Cellar, number one comedy club in the country. And we have a great show for you tonight live from america podcast we have we're gonna start with the lady in the house of course ronda nagar she is a producer writer and a multimedia storyteller from uh nbc buzzfeed <laughs> no 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 but before that oh cbs news cbs before news that. and yes. she just we're taking it again with the top hot and it's terrible <laughs> feed you had all week to memorize cbs <laughs> there's a lot of combinations of three letters. Oh you know what? <laughs> I don't like gnome. And there's another three-letter word here. Uh, Mr. Clint Watts, he's back. He was all over TV oh, last thanks. week. It's kind of annoying it's, when we see you. It's oh bizarre. All over. That's why I don't all watch All over. Uh, uh, former FBI agent. And um, you were uh, testifying in the Senate, right? Yes. Last week. So and he was until weekend show in every show. And also comedian Modi, my favorite <laughs> guest. And thank God he's here. And C- can we jump right in with Clint? No. <laughs> what about your best friend, Stephen? You uh, want me to do something? And Stephen Calabria. So, <laughs> <laughs> They're best friends. Um, Clint, go ahead. So first of all, just as a, I'm going to say something nice about Stephen Calabria. Stephen Calabria since, since has what? gotten us two weeks in a row the lead story in the country mm-hmm. as our guest. Two weeks ago, we had uh, uh, David, David, David K. K. Johnson, Johnson. Who, who got Trump's tax return. That's mm-hmm. right. And that was nothing compared to Clint Watts, who set the country on fire last <laughs> week. And he's actually been kind of a friend of ours and hanging out here. And just by coincidence, he, all of a sudden he finds him. And he, a star was born last week. Did you watch him, Modi? Yeah, Did your heart? Uh, yeah. So before we get into the politics, you must be getting girls coming on to you online. You I, have to I be. have the best Russian honeypot accounts on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot believe the offers I'm getting. You know, could you click on this to read my bio? Of course I do. My phone <laughs> sets on fire within seconds. Yeah. Uh, it, you- it has been strange. Yeah, the reaction for sure. Definitely not what I expected. Dan so. Natterman walked up to him in the olive tree and said, my friend on Facebook oh, has a huge it. crush on you. Let we me get a picture with you. We saw it. We saw it. Of this course. horrible. <laughs> I mean, I said to Keith, by the way, look, look at how Dan just asked for a selfie. Yeah, didn't that happen that, Do you have a, an exclusive girlfriend? Uh, yeah, kind of right it's, now. It's yeah. kind of right It's kind of right now. Oh, my God. It's time to break up. You guys met her just the other day. It's time yes. to break up. <laughs> but <laughs> I, you know, I'm, just go on a break. Just yeah, go on, yeah. I'm really happy because you, you would mention that you were doing this for three years. 
Your research. Yeah, the research is three years. I've been doing the briefing, you know, which is basically the yeah. presentation I did at the Senate for at least a year and a half, probably. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was I was in a bubble up there, too, which you don't realize is when you go to the Senate, it's just the 12 senators and then the three panelists, that, and everybody else is way behind you. So you and there's no reaction because they already kind of know the questions that are coming and going. And so you don't, there's no TV camera, like, in your face, like at a TV studio. So. Yeah. You're just sitting there. You don't know what they're filming. You don't know what anybody else's reaction is outside the room. And so, uh, yeah, when I was doing it, it wasn't until I stood up and turned around and I had a bunch of reporters come at me that I was like, wow, this is way more than I thought. Usually you testify. You walk out in the hall. The reporter asks you a couple questions. You go, you know, eat some Taco Bell. You get on the train and, (laughs) you know, you go home. So it was very different than uh, what I expected. And I'm not sure exactly why. I, I guess it... You know, people were more interested in it now than like a year ago when I was briefing it. So. By the way, maybe you've told me, are your parents alive? Yes. They must be so proud of you. <laughs> no? Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm totally serious. I, I mean, it, oh, you're I, so it, Jewish. I, yeah. <laughs> what's what's oh, more oh nice than God. seeing your son on Meet the Press? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Well, no, he, he uh, was in all over. <laughs> A medical degree. <laughs> That's right. Or just having a straight son. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, it, it was interesting. So my girlfriend, Emmy, who, who you guys have met here. She's at, the sort of... The one you're yeah, yeah, we yeah. debate about terminology, but uh, she was there at the hearing. And so uh, wow. she, she was behind me and you know she was listening to it and she kind of was giving me the reaction uh, from there. And then my parents, I think... Uh, we're watching it, you know, through C-SPAN or whatever. And so for them to kind of see what was going on, I don't, I still, I haven't watched TV since then really, or, you know, been on the internet in that sense. I, I get a reaction on Twitter. You have not seen yourself testifying. No, just the clips. Like when I go in for the new shows, you know, and I show up and I, they use the same like two a little or three. Tease yeah, them. but I haven't watched it. I definitely won't. You know, I don't want to go back now because there, there are a couple things that I said there Trail of Dead Russians. Yeah. Awesome, awesome line. <laughs> Which was right. totally off the cuff. You yeah. know, I was it just, just came uh, to you? Yeah. I don't I, believe it. <laughs> that one that one definitely did. But there were certain points. That was that, like a movie, part of a movie. Like, yeah. 100%. Sounds yeah. scripted, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one was just reaction to that question because I wasn't going to talk about finances. You know, that's not my strength. But I, I thought the other two panelists would speak of and they didn't, you know, on that. But there were points that I wanted to drive home. Namely that, you know, if the president keeps citing stories that are put out from Russia or providing false stories which Russia repurposes, uh, this whole process just keeps going. And, you know, he even did it again yesterday, which just baffles me. Uh, you know, the Susan Rice story is kind of a red herring. I, I want to ask you about yeah. that. By the way, I, I, I uh, as I was thinking about this on the way in in my car, I said, I want to just register this at the top. I want to interrupt you sometimes because I feel like nobody really understands this story. I have trouble understanding this story. And part of the reason is because to a guy like you, things that are just obvious go over the heads of people and then they, and then they lose. So I, I yeah. want to interrupt you from time to time I, to try do. to get I, you to spell certain things out that I think probably people are not getting. Yeah, and I was glad today uh, to come here, but also I did NPR for like 40 minutes. And so it was follow-up questions to the testimony where you can you know, explain. I only have two minutes. You know, when I'm at the Senate, I have yeah. to I listen to NPR every, at least uh, once a week, whether I need need the sleep or not. Anyway, go ahead. That's right. <laughs> so, did you really get Thanks. like uh, life uh, threats? You know? Yeah. Well, because Modi gets it after every set, but you know how? Yeah. So there's a couple things that happen. One, yeah. when I've left the country, like in 2015, yeah. you know, it's social media attacks through apps. Yeah. Uh, and so they would be like, 
of course you can't say 100% for sure, but pretty, pretty sure. Uh, hey, Clint Watts, thanks for showing up, former FBI uh, here in Singapore. Uh, we, t- we tuck the sheets in for you. I'm glad you're staying at such and such hotel, and uh, uh, we'll turn the lights off for you, you know, when you're done. Now, oh. they don't oh, know wow. who you are, you know, they don't know who I am, you know, from my accounts or whatever. <clears throat> but then it was uh, going into, you know, I outed it the first time and. Not that kind of outing, Modi. Don't worry. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Is it about Modi today? <laughs> yeah, I know. He's like, look at his face. I saw, I saw him, I saw him twitch. Gonna, I thought you were yeah. going to interrupt him so we can find out the in-depth sorry, sorry, of sorry. the story. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Just don't say out. Just don't say out. Go ahead. Um, so I discussed, rather than outed, uh, the Russian fake accounts in October of 2015, which is how my original testimony was going to start. And uh, I just said, I don't know why everybody's not talking about all these fake American accounts that are controlled by Russia that are trying to influence the policy around Syria at the time. And two weeks later, Foreign Policy Research Institute in Philadelphia, FBI agent showed up and said, hey, you know, Clint's bio, uh, several of his articles have been hit with malware, which redirects anybody that touches your website and records who they are. Like they're trying to see who is reading this so that they can launch, you know, wow. cyber attacks. So they, they cleaned it up and then uh, there's a couple other times, a little too technical to explain, but you could pick up on uh, the test of penetration test. So I work with two guys. <laughs> Outed and penetration. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who saw that coming? So in the cyber world, they use those terms to make it sound sexy. So, oh, I see. Um, but uh, Andrew Weisberg, Jan Berger, and I will get the Gmail notifications that say, you're part of the 0.01% of you know all account holders that we think are being targeted by a foreign nation. And that would oh, usually wow. be right after we would write an article and be like, what about all these Russian things? And then 48 hours later, Google will notify you and like say, make sure you get your security settings right and that you've you know double checked on your phone number and you know don't click on this, that, and the other. So I assume on any given day, they watch everything that I do. And I just take that into account that anything that I do could end up out in the public someday is like a smear campaign. Um, and I think that's the what I tried to stress in the testimony that I think Americans don't get is this wasn't just limited to the DNC. I would guess there's four to 5,000 Americans that got hit and hacked in some way, uh, and their private information is sitting somewhere in Russia or organized crime, and they can launch it on you. So if you rise up and start to challenge Russia, they could be like, okay, that's great. By the way, did you know X, Y, and Z about this person, and they do these data dumps. All right. I want to ask you about the the, the Russian question because I'm having trouble uh, wrapping my mind around it. It seems to me there's three or four different strands to this rope that are all going at the same time. And and the problem is, at least the problem I have, is that they're all discussed at one time. Right. Where I would prefer to discuss them one at a time. I'm going to list the ones that come to mind. Now, the first one is the Russian hacking, as it were, of the election and the possibility that the Trump campaign had a heads up about it, so it was was yeah. notified about it, and I guess kept it quiet or whatever it is. That's one thing. Like somebody in the Trump campaign said they they knew some WikiLeaks was Roger coming St- out. Yeah, right? Stone. That's yeah. one thing. Another one is any financial interests that people in Trump's circle business they might have with rich Russians, and rich Russians obviously are often close to Putin. Right. Another one is whether Donald Trump himself has business deals and whether there's some conflict of interest there. And then the final one that comes to mind, no, there's two more. Then this one is, is Trump some kind of, is, is Trump essentially under the thumb of something in Russia so he could be 
blackmailed or extorted in some way so that they can control him. And then the final one, which you introduced, which is, is Trump just an unwitting dupe because he's an unsophisticated guy who just repeats anything he sees on the internet. And he's, he's an unwitting dupe of the Russians, but there's not any corrupt nexus at all. Right. You want to go through sure. though if, if I've identified yeah, the no, right I, one? I think that's the whole spectrum, and I think um, I, I'll dispel the worst-case scenario. So I don't believe Donald Trump is setting uh, and has some sort of back channel with Putin and is doing his work, you know, the Manchurian candidate. I don't, I don't see that. But what is bizarre— And that's the most important one. Right, right. And that's sure. the one people are salivating about. That's what the—, that's the I don't think anybody believes rules. that, really. No, oh, no, no. but we do you know for that? sure that Trump's campaign aides were talking to Russia throughout the right. campaign, correct? So yes. then the other two scenarios are he's compromised with business ties and therefore has to do what they want or they'll turn on him. That could be true. Um, the one thing that's different about espionage in the Soviet era and today— is in the Soviet era, they didn't have an open economy and business. So they would actually do cash payments to people, you know, to bribe them into doing things. Now they don't do that because they have all of these. In Russia, it's not a government and then a private sector. It's organized crime networks. So Putin controls, you know, or has relationships that are very indirect with a lot of businessmen, oligarchs, whatever it might be. And then they can do outreach on his behalf. So there is the possibility... They could be compromised with business, and he's afraid to do something because of I don't think that's as much the case as he's surrounded by what is probably eight or nine people, it seems to turn out, that were influenced in one way or another. Um, you've got this week Carter Page, you know, was named as someone they tried. And Carter Page is who? He's a business envoy with Russia, American, but he was with the Trump campaign back in 2016. They disavowed him suddenly, you know, last summer, I think it was. But he it came out in 2013, Russian intel head tried to target and recruit him. Page says, yes, I did those business meetings, but I didn't know I was being recruited. Well, a good recruitment is one where the person you recruited doesn't even know they're being recruited. Course, right. yeah. The yeah, other one is, you know, so that can be true. Both can be true. Uh, Flynn is the other one where he just wanted revenge against Obama so bad is really angry about Iran and then takes money and then tries to hide it. You know, he took money from RT. He also has this weird business. RT is the Russian, Russian media media outlet, yeah, yeah. state-sponsored. And so he kind of doesn't disclose his business in Turkey. Uh, he's got this thing with RT. You think Trump was taken by surprise by that? Yeah, I think Trump's challenge is he ran a very business-style loose campaign that no other Republican would have run. They would have vetted everybody really, really hard. Nah, they didn't. You know, Trump is like ISIS to, uh, uh, you know, the rest of the Republicans be out like Al-Qaeda. They, they vet their people before they bring them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you see with Trump is, hey, if you will help me today, I'll bring you on yeah, to my Trump team. Had to, Trump had to take anybody he could get, right? Yeah. Yeah. And right. Flynn had, and the, had, had the color of being credible because of the position he had. How Flynn, is Trump going to turn him away? Flynn's his only general. If you remember, generals were signing left and right, you know, that right. they wouldn't support Trump. So when you look at it, I think that is the what we call the useful idiot. That's an espionage term in Russian Soviet, you know, things, which is you're an unwitting agent for them. Uh, you support some of their policy positions, and you're unaware of all of the influence going around uh, behind you. And I think that fits with Sessions, for example. I don't think Sessions is compromised, but why would he not disclose that he met with a Russian ambassador? Because that's fine, actually. You can 
me with the Russian ambassador. I think he did that for the same reason I sometimes don't tell my wife things. It's like, it's like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's yeah. technically not what you ask and it'll, she'll never know about it. And well, I don't want to open that can of worms and have to start answering for it. It's yeah, like, but that's not right. illegal. You're not right. under oath when you're talking to your wife. I don't exactly. think he perjured himself yeah. by, by any, by any real definition of perjury, well, but, but, but it was, he should have, he should have the next day said, listen, I just want to make clear. I did meet with yeah. uh, Kislyak. What is his name? Kislyak? Yeah. Yeah. Kislyak. Uh, but it had nothing to do with what you were talking right. about. But if you read that transcript, you know it was whatever. But look, Bad judgment, but plausible. Look deniability. at Tillerson on. The, I mean, he Tillerson has tons of Russian connects through business or whatever. He disclosed them. He goes and testifies about it. They ask him, and it's fine. What is odd is the denials and the appearance of a cover up, and why continue to be uh, mysterious about it. And that's still going on today. Okay, the reason and the reason I push the back Eric on that Prince yeah. movie, meeting, you know. And the Seychelles that came out before. What's that? Eric Prince, the Blackwater head, who's Betsy oh, DeVos's yeah. brother, yeah. you know, supposedly uh, had a back channel meeting with a Russian uh, envoy in the Seychelles Islands on January 11th. Who hasn't? And anyway, but you're wait, like, wait. why do this? You know, why do? But all the these sessions things? thing. Apparently, he took that meeting with two of his staffers around yeah. and someone else in the room at the yeah. same time. The idea that you're going to have some uh, shady meeting with a Russian ambassador. With Stupid. just some everyday stuff. In other words, I I can't believe there was anything. If you want to meet the Russian ambassador and have some under the radar meeting, first of all, you don't meet face to face. You right. use Telegram or some. You know, I mean, there's so many ways to do it. If if you're ready to jump into that into corruption, but to bring him to your office in front of everybody and it's logged in and no, all that it's stuff, not it's going to happen with the media right now. Like yeah. we are over, you know, covering. I yeah. think what's going on. It there's no way that you're going to have some type of under the radar meeting right now. No, back then. I'm just yeah. saying there was nothing about that meeting. I just don't know why he didn't say, "Yeah, I met with an ambassador during the campaign." I really think it's what I said. He just said, yeah, like, "I don't probably. want to open that can of worms." I think well, he was I meant trying even to, during the yeah. campaign too. Like the coverage was more extensive. There's just I could have met in a garage, were, you know. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clinton I know walked it. on the plane to, to go talk to uh What's her name? Well, yeah. you know, there is that, yeah. there is that irony that like nothing we've heard is anything as dirty as Clinton going to talk yeah. to well, Loretta Lynch on true. the plane. I mean, Loretta Lynch was there with several of her aides. Yeah. It's basically the same thing. No, no, they, but they were told to walk away. And listen, it was, come on. That's crazy. Yeah. She's the attorney general of the United States and about to decide whether to indict his wife. And he gets on a plane with her and talks about her, right, but the difference their is grandchildren. Loretta Lynch it. didn't lie about it. He was under oath saying that he had never met with any Russians, and it no, turned out I, to be true. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm saying that the 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 on the face of it, the meeting with Sessions is unlikely to have been anything. And on the face of it, right. the meeting with Loretta Lynch and Clinton was dirty as hell. Even if it was just to look her in the eyes and speak read between the lines, unless you think he would have gone on that plane, even if Hillary wasn't about to. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, it's obvious. Oh my god! Yeah. And this so, is anyway. Go ahead. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think the Sessions thing was nothing other than why not disclose. And that's what's weird consistently about this. It's uh, things are brought forward to Flynn, for example. Sounds like he lied to investigators. Of course, that's a monitored phone call. Why do it? And I Yeah, but you know when like, your dad is really suspicious that you're yeah, smoking yeah. weed? So if something obliquely has to do with weed, like you lie about it, not because you're doing smoking weed, so I don't want to. Yes, yes. I just don't like everybody's looking for this. I, I don't want to give do them anything. It. Like like I just well, it shows the inexperience <laughs> of this whole inner circle too. Yeah, 
There's no reason for Flynn to get aggressive. He's coming in to office in three weeks. Just wait. You don't even have to make the phone call. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't need Eric Prince landing on an island and creating this back channel, which just breeds conspiracy uh, from a guy who was one of your donors and gave you a quarter million dollars. You know, there's so many levels of like, why do this? You just don't need to do it. I think, Unbelievable. You know, David Ignatius has written about this sort of repeatedly. He's like, why are they doing this? Like, there's no real reason. And nothing comes from it anyway. So why do it? And the other part is they don't let it die. So, uh, you know, Trump could just say, okay, Senate committee, if there's nothing there, do your investigation. But they keep bringing it up. You know, the collateral collection thing. That's a sideshow. The uh, Susan Rice thing. The unmasking. I, I want to ask you about the Susan. Just I want to ask one more thing and we'll go to Susan Rice because I really want to know what you said. I have this theory. I, I think I, I, I shared it with you one time. And I have a little... Like I've I've gone to Russia and I've seen the whining and dining and the 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 way it is a, and I figured that and I also want to ask you about your opinion about the sanctions. I think that the sanctions pinch financially and in other ways a lot of important Russian businessmen and the people who deal with them or are associated with them in America. And as a new administration was going to come to town, these people have billions of dollars. Right. It was all systems go. Everybody was activated to try to reach out now. And through our system of legal or quasi-legal bribery or just chumming it up or whatever it is, uh, just try to wear down this new administration to get their hooks in this new administration in the hopes that this will eventually lead to close relationships so they can get these sanctions lowered. I can't imagine these Russian businessmen not being activated at the idea, especially a businessman like right. Trump, something, and I think all businessmen around the world right now are activated. I mean, you yeah, you can't get in the Trump Hotel uh, down in D.C. as an American because it's filled with foreign, you know, businessmen and travelers who are just enamored with Trump right now. I mean, if I was doing business in Russia and I was totally Plenty screwed by these suites. <laughs> That's, which is where they put me up for the show. <laughs> if, if, if I did a, a half a million, if I did a half a billion dollars of business with Russia. And uh, um, I, the sanctions were screwing up my business. I'd be a big Trump donor. Yeah, of course I would. You know, I'd, I'd be, and, and these people, money's like water to them. I would donate to the lemon, then I'd have every friend and everybody in my family, and I would get access that way. And they don't turn down access for people who want to meet with them when they need money. And all of a sudden, these webs begin to form. Right. And people can be co-opted and seduced by this. Question is, is, is Trump seduced by it? But it doesn't seem like he's seduced by it in terms of the people he's appointing. No, I, I think in terms of the appointments, uh, they didn't know who to appoint. Uh, they still have so many vacancies, some of which uh, sounds like are deliberate to do basically cost-cutting, you know, get rid of the size of government. But I just know right now in terms of these executive orders, when they sign these executive orders, which are concocted without coordinating with a lot of the departments, they fire them down uh, to these departments. There's no one to execute it because they haven't appointed anybody That's to fill ridiculous. these positions. So they can't even execute on their executive orders a lot of times. Or <laughs> the more responsible people, uh, Mattis, Kelly, you know, McMaster, That's are like, uh, you didn't really talk us through any of these policies, so we're not totally on board. That, they don't say that publicly, but I think behind the scenes, what you saw today, the whole Bannon, you know, getting pushed back out, is you're starting to see the adults take control, you know, in the departments. Uh, and are pushing back on the inner circle in the White House saying, like, okay, enough. enough like, things this, are yeah. going sideways, and we need to get this under control. I think McMaster said it's him or me. 
Uh, I don't think he said him or me. I think he probably just said this is what needs to happen. I mean, it's, Humphrey Bogart it's implied. Casablanca. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about <laughs> operating, you know, at such different levels. The same with the Jared Kushner thing. I, I, I hear he's brilliant, and I know, uh, you know, he did a great campaign job, and that Trump trusts him. Right. But I mean, let's be honest, he's not a foreign policy uh, whiz, and the way. Uh, that like know. McMaster is, you know, who's, <laughs> right. who's fought every war over the last thirty years. So, so let me let me read you the first two paragraphs of this article in, in National Review as a way of getting into this whole unmasking thing, mm -hmm. because this was the the best article that I've seen that took the opposite side of what I I perceived that you're going to take. It says her interest was not in national security, but to advance the political interests of the Democratic Party. The thing to bear in mind is that the White House does not do investigations, not criminal investigations, not intelligence investigations. Remember that. Why is that so important? In the context of explosive revelations that Susan Rice, President Obama's national security advisor, confidant and chief dissembler, called for the unmasking of Trump campaign and transition officials whose identities and communications were captured in the collections of U.S. intelligence on foreign targets. Last paragraph. Because we've been told for weeks that any unmasking of people in Trump's circle that may have occurred had two innocent explanations. One, the FBI's investigation of Russian meddling into the election. And two, the need to know for purposes of understanding the communications of foreign intelligence targets. The identities of Americans incidentally intercepted or mentioned. The unmasking, Obama apologists insists, had nothing, Obama apologists insist, had nothing to do with targeting Trump or his people. That won't wash. Go ahead. I'm, if I'm the national security advisor, I see that people coming into the new administration are communicating with foreign targets. Uh, I'm going to want to know who they are. I, I would find it irresponsible. My counter to that is if it was for political purposes, the only reason we know about it right now is because Trump brought it up. The Democrats didn't release it. They didn't release it before uh, the election. They, haven't, they didn't release it the, during the transition period. So the only reason we know about it is because Trump's minions went in to find justification for the wiretapping claim, which, you know, was bogus. Trump was not the target of a wiretap. So that's where it falls apart for me on the political front. I, I can tell you right now, if I were sitting in Susan Rice's shoes, I hear that a foreign nation is contacting people that are coming into the White House. This would confirm my, you know, conspiracy, which is, I've got emissaries around the incoming president. Maybe he does not realize that these people are in touch with a foreign power. That right, would now, be a huge counterintelligence investigation. Now, let me tell you this. So I'm Susan Rice, and I agree with you. And I'm Susan Rice, and now Trump has won the election. Holy shit. Now I, I'm able to, through unmasking, I find myself in this situation. I can keep tabs on everything this transition team, or many things that this transition team is saying and doing actually she can't so there's a part of the unmasking that's getting missed she can't just say unmasking and then open up the file it actually goes back to whoever did the collection so the nsa director and the fbi director make that decision they also know that will blow back on them if they approve the unmasking so there's another step to it everybody's putting it on susan rice because republicans you know hate susan rice and always have but the the other part of it is means an adult and one of these agencies also had to say, yes, it's okay. And I'm sure they had great pause at putting their name on there saying, yes, let's unmask this. I don't know. I feel like everybody was so outraged by Trump. And, and I just think it serves both 
purposes. I, I, I'm not saying what I think happened. I just would not be surprised at all. If I were in a situation, I would find it almost irresistible if I heard something to find out who it was on the Trump team. I would just find it irresistible. I'd want to know. Was that fake news? I no, could, that fake news. No, I could see that definitely. I mean, if you're in her position, why wouldn't you want to look, you know? It makes sense. But if I you're would. in her position... Two minutes ago, you were in Robert Kelly's files up there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We well, just yeah. saw asking the curve. Exactly. Right in front of us. So yeah. let's let's talk about... Um, There's this concept of rever reverse targeting, which, right. which I mean, I didn't make this. I, I actually said it to you the other night at the table. I thought, yeah. and then I looked, looked it up and it, it already existed. There's this concept of reverse targeting, which is where they target the, the, the contact, but the real purpose is to get at the person they know the contact is going to be speaking to. So they target the Russian businessmen because they know they're going to be talking to the trump people sure i, I, I think um, that, before, that would be more in line too you're 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 not focusing on americans that's the other misperception i see in the news you're focusing on the foreign influence or espionage or whatever's going on or terrorism you know they use the same rule book for that um so you're focusing outward uh you're going to focus outward to see who you know they're reaching out to the other part is minimization well, let me ask you this yeah i mean i'm, I'm trying to imagine I hear a conversation and I say to myself, you know what? That sounds dirty. I need to unmask who they're speaking to. That sounds like this this American is is treasonous in somewhere, or is you know. Uh, I think that's a lot of thoughts that people are having right now. Right. So so what I'm saying is that so so it would have to rise to that level. Right. To to ask for the unmasking. So the unmasking is not really giving you any information. It just tells you who's implicated. Right. So how come nothing has come forward that's dirty that that would that would seem to no story has come out that would seem to justify wanting somebody unmasked uh, i think it's probably because you follow the question right yeah the investigation i would assume is still ongoing i mean most counterintelligence or counterterrorism cases are years long averages at least two or three so uh i would assume they were probably still looking at it um i bet it's grossly affected now uh, the other part that uh, I think people don't understand is by the time it gets to a Susan Rice or anybody at the head level, intelligence analysts across all of these organizations have put some context around it. So the, I saw a great example on Twitter um, that, you know, a CIA person had put up there, a reform one, said, you know, raw intelligence is you pick up on a mother who says, I'm going to kill my kid. <laughs> and then you go and do the analysis and like the kid just, you know, drew with crayons all over the wall and you know they said that and it's out of context it's a euphemism and so raw collection like that are pulling it up is rarely if ever i can't imagine when it would happen going to end up at the very senior level without a lot of context around it which would entice someone to unmask or not unmask um so so then is, is what i'm saying correct in the sense that if she had if she had legitimate basis to ask for let's let's assume there's multiple unmaskings then we should be hearing some pretty you know serious stories i i would think it's still many months away but it's very concerning and i don't think it's president trump but i think it's got to be somebody around his circle and it could have been somebody we've already heard about and we just don't know because we don't know the context of it I, I think the peculiar part though is the only reason we know about the susan rice story is because president trump made the claim about wiretapping somebody then went and dug into the intelligence which is alternative intelligence which scares me to death that's kind of how we got into iraq and so this has triggered like a seesaw and i think what we forget is in the u.s government right now fbi nsa cia all of the dod 
they are wasting a tremendous amount of time responding to these political shenanigans on both sides back and forth and they're spending less time doing their real day job time so, and resources yeah time and resources of the fbi right now responding to tweets uh is phenomenal and so i i guarantee there are people just pulling their hair out like i would like to investigate this but now i'm called to testify or i'm running back you know investigative leads that have no real investigative purpose yeah. other than to prove or disprove someone's tweet that they read when they woke up on a Saturday Plus, morning. Things come out in coincidental ways. You know, I, I yeah. got caught cheating on my girlfriend one time because 9-11 happened and I couldn't get out of Washington, D.C. You know, like, you know. <laughs> I'll blame it on us. That no, was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to ask you guys, what do you guys think about uh, Trump's response to uh, the Syrian issue today? Aww. There we go. Yeah. I couldn't even... It What's made my Aleppo? skin crawl a little bit. <laughs> Just skin crawl. A little bit, yeah. I mean, it's just he's so he's like disconnected morally. No, he read a speech that well, they back gave up. him. What's the, what was the reaction? Well, first of no, all, no, asking about what, what what's your reaction? I want to see if it's no. What no. was his reaction? I'm he well, said that he, uh, he can't stand his babies. They killed yeah. Little he, little he said babies, and he explained what babies are. Trump he's like babies like this. And then he said, <laughs> was awful. they crossed but, a lot yeah. of lines, not the red line, but there's blue line and yellow line. Like, he said there's many lines. Yeah. I don't mean that like he's not like, has no compassion. It's just like, do you know what I'm trying to say? His energy, it's like, he's saying it just to say it. I don't think yeah. he, he has really no cares. Empathy. But I mean, like exactly. he had a chance today no. to be well, a leader. There's pictures of kids that were burnt. And of course, yeah, so did, maybe that affects you and I. It but, affects him too. So like, he just doesn't deliver it like Obama. He just, he just reads But like I mean, what did he do? Like he's blaming Obama the whole time right. for not stepping exactly. in. Exactly, it's like, oh, these poor Syrian children. But look, you know, Susan Rice's blah 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 with no like claims yeah. to back it up. And, and it's like, and then he said he crossed the line. So okay, if somebody crossed the line, what are you gonna do about it? He just said he crossed the line. Yeah, well, I mean, no he's the president now. You can only blame the other guy for so long before <laughs> you actually have to t step in and take responsibility. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody's doing anything. I don't. I, I, there are very few people left that I'm aware of who don't think that Obama screwed up Syria. I'll, I'll cede the point to you. Yeah, Let, yeah, let's say let's, that let's, Obama let's, did screw up Syria. Yeah, but, uh, he did, but yeah. my point is that at a certain point, you have to accept responsibility he, for the current circumstances. Exactly. He's going to take responsibility for I mean, yeah. for better or for worse, I, I don't, I don't think he's trying to shirk responsibility. Yeah, he's not going to stop bombing now like a maniac. And then, and then the accusations of Obama were not very flattering to Obama. I was reading up on them today where Panetta said that and this is in Panetta's book, like right when Obama was still president. Right. He said that Obama knew by going to Congress to get authorization that it would, I think, term you scotch any chances of, of having to take action in Syria. And then, of course, Obama made a deal with Putin and uh, basically what is that, on Assad's honor that he was getting rid of his weapons, of uh, his chemical weapons, right. which any idiot knew that was ridiculous. Right. So, and Obama's not an idiot. So you have to kind of think Obama... But no, again, was, let's say that we cede all of those points to no, you, and no, that's no. all true. My, 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 you know, my point is this: when all that was going on with Obama, nobody showed any outrage, especially on the left. And now they're ready to jump down Trump's throat about what he hasn't even done yet. When when four hundred and fifty thousand people died, yep. uh, while Obama was twiddling his thumbs and giving disingenuous excuses and answers, you know. So let's give this guy a chance. I mean, he's surrounded by good generals. Maybe the, I'm, I don't think he's going to come mean, up today with, with the response. But I mean, today was his first test. Like, what yeah. your reaction was not good. You didn't say anything listen, useful. Obama didn't listen to his defense secretaries and generals vis-a-vis -vis Syria. Yeah, but we done, maybe Trump will. We're done with Obama. Now it's Trump's turn, right? 
So no, I, I'm just you understand what I'm calling. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know it's we, we the all guy, know. The guy can't get a receptionist to, to, to work on the staff over there. In a hundred days, he's going to finish all of this. Well, he said he's, that he would have health care, uh, Obamacare repealed by day 36. All right, all right. Oh, please. And Obama said he'd get Guantanamo closed. I mean, he try, he's trying. Yeah, the, you know what? I'm not trying to defend Trump. It's just the glee. The glee kills me. The guy's trying. To, he is. We see him. He is trying to get health care fixed. He's got boneheads all around him. He probably doesn't even care what the bill is. Just give me any bill. Ryan is a knucklehead. The, this uh, Freedom Caucus are a bunch of fanatics. Anytime he moves in there. I mean, it's, 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 it's obviously tougher than he thought it was going to be. You know what? I've been in a lot of situations that turned out tougher than I thought they were going to be. did you spend every weekend golfing when you were in those? <laughs> uh, you, you really <laughs> just sound point. like... Did you see what the oh, Times really? said wow. They said it's he's like... been away like 14 times since he's been in office. Uh, people. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think him going away is the problem, really. You know, but I think I think like no, it right actually now, could be the benefit. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's true. It may, yeah, I think, I think he's better. doing it for us. But right now, yeah. like, it was his first test. I said, must have been on this show, but I said to everyone, and in the car that they, I said, when, the, when, that, when that healthcare thing died and Obama took it off, I mean, uh, Trump said he's taking it off the table. Yeah. I said to Stephen, it's not off the table. They'll still, they'll, they're still talking about it. Right. He needed to walk away from the table to show that he was serious. And he's like, no, no, no. Even Harry, no, 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 it's done. There's, of course, they're still talking about it. The only, I think the only deadline that matters is the midterm elections. Yep, and I believe they will come up with something before the midterm election. I'm not sure they won't have their jobs. That well, yeah, spoke I, to them just like they're like in businessmen. Like if if you don't meet your 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 sales, your commissions, you're, you're axed. Not, you're done. Yeah, yeah. at some point they're all going to go down with the ship. You but, know, but, but so what he said today shows me. I don't think that Trump will put in time and like in comparison to his other priorities to help out what's like what's going on in Syria right now. Like I don't think that's a priority for him. And his reaction says yeah. that. I, absolutely. I mean, you said he's trying. He's I trying. Mean, what was wrong with his reaction? No. It's not. His it's reaction. not even uh, just. It's not even about Syria. It's about like those chemical <laughs> weapons. You know what? What? Right. Like this is his main thing. Like number one army. We're gonna control everything. Nobody's gonna have. And everybody's having the balls to do whatever they want right now. Right. And his reaction was. Well, what about the theory that yeah. he uh, he emboldened Assad by saying essentially that we're ready to let Assad stay in power? Yeah, true. Yeah, and this is where it will blow back on him in the terrorism landscape, which is that position and the statements he made today. I've I've even seen very, you know, conservative Republican friends of mine who were outraged about Trump's comments today. Uh, will be seen as aligning with Russia against the Muslim world, uh, backing Assad for a chemical attack after the U.S. invaded Iraq under the the idea that they might have chemical weapons. Uh, man, it is such a uh, information weapon for terrorist recruitment, and that's for that's what I'm gonna say. Like ISIS won today. I'm just because shocked they would do it. Yeah. People will join ISIS if they're fighting Assad. You know. Do you think there's any chance it's actually not Assad that it's actually no re it is. rebels posing? It is. Actually, you remember Geraldo Rivera was on TV today saying he thinks the story is is not credible. I, I mean, I couldn't believe my ears, oh. but that's what he said. Geraldo said that. Oh, well, uh, you know what? Uh, he always attacks the the. the it was the, confirmed the, the by the view. Yeah, just. Geraldo <laughs> also said yeah. that Capone's who, vault is actually in Syria. Actually, you know, you know, you, <laughs> you know. Remember uh, that if you're the old doctor that we really. interviewed, Noam, uh, the Syrian doctor. Yeah, uh, I, we, we need to call him again because he's there, and he's like, um, he have a theory. He said that this was planned because there is four attacks before this attack. 
They attacked the hospitals around where she works at. They've attacked you know? over 300 hospitals. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. And everything. They wanted to maximize. They wanted to scare people. They want to say, like, listen, we're still going to do what we're going to do. What's you know? the purpose of a chemical attack? Is that to break the back of the resistance? Like, listen, you know, it's so horrible and terrifying. Just drop it. I think it can also be used as a tool. Um, potentially. I don't know that it's going to work this way to bring other nations to the table. You see something horrific like that or catastrophic, you're escalating, you know, the fight. That can be used as a tool to bring people together to say, okay, we need to get this to stop right now. It brings attention to it. Now, I don't know that it will work that way, but it's a way to think about it, much well, like nuclear weapons would be. You know, it, it brings people to the table. Can I ask you a question? Do no. you think... <laughs> do you think that like you said, bringing attention to it, right? So when a bombing happens, I don't think you see, you, there's different types of footage, right? You don't see the slow death. Right. And I want to ask you if you think that's part of it. You think it's strategic to like capture this type of like torture of these people in order to bring more attention to it. And I'm sorry if that's a weird question. Uh, I don't think so. I think it's more to what Hatem said, which was <sighs> Isn't it to always... send a message to the public that we will not stop at any yeah, you know, any any point uh, to secure victory. It's total war. Um, I mean, there could be. I don't know that they game it that well. Yeah. Um, but I think it could be used that way uh, in some forms of propaganda. I just don't. Let me think ask you guys an even much, better question: If that was Israel that was attacked, what would be the reaction today, Modi? Trump's reaction. Uh, is this Trump different. the anti-Semite or Trump the the the, the, <laughs> the Jew stooge? Which, 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 <laughs> you tell me. Which day of the week we If this was attack, this is if Syria, serious question. If this was attacking Israel right now instead of Syria, what would happen? Israel would Anybody? retaliate. They have they they have guns. They have weapons. They have Israel would. would it would be yeah. Very I'm talking good. about the U.S. Who reaction. attacks who? Who attacks Israel? Syria. The, uh, uh, Syria so. drops chemical weapons on Israel. Yeah. Syria's done. America wouldn't have to do a thing. Yeah. No, but I'm saying what's the U.S. reaction would be? We'd be 100% on the side of Israel. Yeah, but would you just go and say babies and red lines and stuff like that? What do you get? Oh my God, stop what are you saying? <laughs> say it. Just say it. Admit it, idiot. Admit it. So let me bring in my... my it, it, this is a good, it's a good thing, something I think about. So the United States government has sanctions on Russia. They're, they are related to the Russian uh, annexation of Crimea. I think we all agreed Russia is never, ever, ever going to leave Crimea. No. no. Doesn't matter what we do. They, that is it. And, and it's, it's Russian. It always was Russian. So now we have, we have this chip in our pocket, America, which is we have these sanctions and lifting them is something they really want. That's our currency. And we're going to trade someday. We're going to trade this chip for something. Right. We're not just going to walk away from it. Right. Hopefully we'll get something in return. Is this the time to trade that chip in return for a, a, a stabilization of Syria in some way, you know, and, and, and an end of the, the I, I don't know what, I mean, I'm not knowledgeable I, enough to I know think, what the outcome would be, but this chip yeah. isn't, let's use it. I think the chip was, uh, at least in the early days, and, and this is what that Eric Prince alleged meeting was about, which was getting Russia to pull away from Iran, uh, the, to not back Iran anymore so that the U.S. could go one-on-one -on -one with Iran. Um, and it sounds like they were willing to negotiate with Russia on that, and I would think sanctions would be the lever. The other wild card is the whole cyber attack stuff. Or all of it. Yeah. One big deal, right? I'd be off. I know that 
I'm not supposed to say that, but I'd be all for that. Give the Russians what they want. Let them keep Crimea because they're going to keep it. If there was any hope, but there is no hope. They're going to keep it anyway. The, the, the bad tit-for-tat relationship is destabilizing to the world and dangerous. Right. And as long as we have that thorn in their paw, in the Russian bear's paw of, of sanctions, they are always going to be, doesn't matter what they say, they're going to be looked to destabilize, they're going to be looking to hack, they're going to look to do anything that, that uh, is bad for the United States. We have to pull that thorn out. Well, I, I don't think it's just about um, the sanctions. It's also about the U.S. not showing their position. Like, we just don't. That's what I kept stressing at the hearing. We don't have a Russia policy. I, I couldn't. I have no clue uh, what the U.S. government's stance is as of right now on Russia. Not a clue. I, I think you would get a different take uh, at the Department of Defense as opposed to the White House. Uh, they don't even discuss it. Uh, it's more like let's negotiate with Russia, but you're like, well, what's the outcome we want? I don't think we even know what we want with regards to Russia. Well, so, there's a danger there because all cute. the attention on this whole Russian scandal, true or not true, m actually makes it harder for the Trump administration to true, do yeah. what it might think is in, in our best interest because yeah. they don't want to be perceived as being too soft on Russia. So that's that's risky. I think. Well, I have a question. What what would be the least terrible option for the United States as far as Syria is concerned? Would it be leaving Assad in power, or would it be negotiating somebody uh, from his government into power? What what's the best option for the United States? As long as Assad stays in power, people will die. He's using the chemical weapons that he said that he's protecting his country he's using it on his own people well, that that may be true but i mean would removing him not uh install further destabilization to the country you mean the like region? the way it did in egypt right yeah exactly there's a potential for that i don't think anyone knows the answer i don't think assad's not going to go down I agree. Uh, or give up his state no, he's gonna not. that time keep as passed. much as he can yeah and he's made a comeback if you had asked i think it was 2012 we were working on it and some people were predicting, you know, in the, uh, this is the right, the ISIS rise. Uh, Syria will end in 60 days, 120 days. I mean, you were hearing those kinds of predictions. Uh, Assad will fall in four months. It's been five years now. Uh, this isn't going away. He's not going to leave. Um, maybe they do uh, some sort of barter with Russia and they do a find and replace with Assad and somebody else. Uh, but there'll be some sort of Syrian state uh for a large chunk of Syria as it exists today, uh, there's no way that they're going to remove, you know, that state entirely and let it let it roll over to the rebels. In part because now you have another Al Qaeda affiliate that essentially broke off, um, and you know ISIS remnants there, which are always going to be there uh, in western Iraq and eastern Syria. Uh, you're going to have this quagmire. There will be an extremist group, a Sunni extremist group of some form that we're worried about the rest of my lifetime in that part of the world, you know, eastern Syria and western Iraq. And there won't be an uprising the way there was in Egypt. No. No. no that won't happen. It's very it's very different. The cities are different. The terrain's different. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's not... I don't I don't think Syria... It's not... We, we had a chance a few years ago, but yeah, we the, blew when it. When you say we, you mean the United States? I never yeah. know what you mean. <laughs> you know exactly what I mean. International coalition. <laughs> yeah. Or, or that usually includes uh, El Salvador as well. They're usually on our team. Yeah. When they lean to the left, it's like US. <laughs> when they lean to the right, that's Egypt. So let me ask you something. I, I think you were um, you were covering the um, the Florida attack, right? Yes. You were there? The Orlando massacre. No, yeah. I was at Stonewall. 
yeah. here in the city. I was downtown um, before they made it obviously a, a national monument. Like I think a few weeks later, didn't that happen? Yeah. I believe. What, yeah. Why did they send you? Did they say like you'll be okay? You know that day actually that was a Sunday, right? You know she's Egyptian, right? <laughs> yeah. Ah, no, I didn't know. I, yeah. th I thought she was Hispanic of some kind. Everybody no. thinks I'm. Here's what I thought. I thought, I thought said, why they send you, they wouldn't bother because you sent it to the Stonewall, the gay bar. <laughs> <laughs> that is what she's talking about. Yeah, no, yeah. I was talking about Stonewall. So you know, it's a there are a lot of protests at Stonewall. So it's like every yeah. time anything happens in the gay community, people gather at the Stonewall Inn. Yeah, yeah. No, so that day it was a Sunday. I was off. <laughs> I woke up, I was on a crosstown bus and I saw the news and it was like 25 people. And I was like, oh my God, this is bad. And I was like, they probably don't need me. I called, they were, they were like, no, we're okay, la, la, la. A few hours go by, 50 people. I was like, okay. I go into work and everyone's in there in sweats. And we were shorthanded um, and they just, they sent me to go cover um, the gathering at the Stonewall Inn. Yeah. And yeah, that was just a terrible That was day. the one that Cuomo was at and de Blasio was at? I don't think I didn't see them there when I was there. Mm. This was um I think Stop pretending you have another... something in common, Stephen. I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was there for the one with uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was the next day. <laughs> I was there for the initial one the day of the attack. Um RuPaul was there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I read that the FBI to this day has no evidence that it was yeah. actually motivated by uh, anti-gay animus, uh, the, the Orlando uh, thing. Yeah, I think the guy was just nuts. I mean, yeah. uh, the, the further, um, you know, I think I've talked about it here. My general rule is the further yeah. the way you get away from the Middle East, the crazier the recruit. And, uh, you know, that guy had claimed he was an al-Qaeda at one point. He had mentioned Hezbollah. Uh, then he was part of ISIS. He also had like a NYPD T-shirt on and a Marine Corps sweatshirt or something at one time. I mean, he, he was, he he was, was he, hunting he for He was a member identity. of Hadassah also. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he 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 had joined everything uh, at one point or another. And yeah, it seems like he was struggling with a lot of issues. Um, <laughs> man, like I, Hatem. I, I, Same issues that Hatem struggles, but he handles them better. And, and, and you know, usually if it's a real ISIS recruit, when you go back through, they quickly find evidence, you know, uh, he tried to communicate with somebody. He's got ISIS propaganda all over. He's all over the internet. It seems like this guy was kind of like, ah, I Google ISIS twice. Yeah, that'll work. You know, I want to commit violence. I've got some sort of issue. By the way, what do you think about this vetting idea of, of getting everybody's Facebook account before they from these you know high risk countries before they let them in? It's it's interesting. What yeah. do you think? So, do I, you think that I, will actually be effective? Um, no, it'll just get people to not share information on Facebook. Right. That's what'll, I mean, if you know that you're giving up all your information on Facebook, then you'll just quit putting stuff on there. And it's, what we really have right now in, in a, a point I tried to make a little bit at the hearing is social media companies are in trouble. Uh, you know, their whole business model yeah. depends on you feeling like you can trust the system, like you can put content up yeah. and you're not going to have hackers and, you know, weird Russians and, you know, whatever else come at you. Um, that's going away. I mean, we're seeing that with the data privacy rules. Um, that will hurt Facebook in a way and all social media. What are companies. the data privacy rules? Well, basically, you know, like if you're from one of these countries, you got to cough up your Facebook feed or whatever. I would tell you, you'll get more benefit from just doing good open source analysis, which is what me and a lot of my colleagues do all the time is if it's out there in the public and the open, then use it and look at it. Um, and I can just tell you from a counterintelligence, if you're a U.S. 
spy, for example, and you show up in a foreign country and you don't have a Facebook page, that's the first way they spot you as a spy. They go, why, don't, why aren't you on Facebook? And they go, oh, I just don't have it or whatever. And they go, you don't have any friends. You're a spy. That's like a classic <laughs> thing now as it works the other way. So... <laughs> So I, I think so that could I be my cover up for not having much. friends. I understand <laughs> that. I'd be like, I'm a spy. <laughs> you look, you're lucky. So, 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 uh, remind me of this for some reason. Tell me, I think so, tell me if this is racist. Uh, I have a. Yes. Uh, a, a, a it's racist. <laughs> yes. Immediately, ask that question. Really? Don't even bother. Then, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what would Trump say? So, in the kitchen in the underground, I told you the story. I I came in one day, and I see this white guy, regular white American guy, manning the grill. And I freaked out. <laughs> I called the manager and said, what the fuck is the matter with you? Why do you have a regular white guy manning the grill? And my manager looked at me like I was crazy. I said, the only guy who's going to do a job like this is an ex-con or somebody with really serious issues. You need to have an immigrant. You know, an immigrant makes sense. Like they, they would man the grill. But like a regular everyday white guy, why would they? There's got to be something wrong there. <laughs> sure enough, <laughs> sure enough. Oh, he, you were right. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I was sure enough. Within within 24 hours, he he showed he was a total uh, dangerous character. What, can you talk about what he did? Or? No, I can't talk about what he did. But I was, so that reminds me, like if you don't have a Facebook page, like it's like you're reading the the, the yeah. opposite. Like like why would uh it, why would anybody be doing that that huh. job? Like, I only yeah. want to hire immigrants to in the kitchen. Because I, I trust them. So I'll give you an example. I, I was on an LL flight. You're a regular flight. Statue of Liberty. And they work really <laughs> cheap, you know. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. No, LL flight, you know, the Israelis do the very aggressive, you yeah. know, security at the airport. Oh, I know. I know that going in. So I showed up uh, last fall. I was flying there. It was my first time, but I just knew. So I went in with a totally clean phone, nothing printed out, no itinerary, Big nothing. Big mistake. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, they, I'm a guest of the the Israeli Defense Forces like college. I'm going over there to speak on terrorism stuff. Oh, really? I drove them crazy. For an hour and a half, they <laughs> held me up. And they're like, who are you going to see? And I knew who that was. And they were like, what's his email address? I'm like, I don't have it. You know, I get, they were like, we got to oh, see your man. phone. So I give them a phone, nothing on it. So then they're really paranoid. Another red flag, so They yeah. put me through additional screening. And I stopped at one point. And I said, hey. If your country doesn't want me to come and speak to them after they invited me, then I'll, you know, I'll go home. And that put them in a weird spot. But, I, you know, you know when you're going through airports. Yeah. Uh, like if you turn on Wi-Fi in Hong Kong, you're the biggest idiot, you know, in the world. Because you're... Really? Well, you're accessing a public point that can be sucked up by any foreign government if they want to. Uh, when you go into those Wi-Fi hotspots, as long as my wife can access it, yeah. I really <laughs> right. So let well, me. I mean, that's the decision everyone's got to make, and I, th I think this is probably the next article I write is that you have to just make a decision uh, and understand that you don't really have privacy. So, so let me just go on thing clear. You were going to Israel to talk about killing and uh, war, right? Okay. It was a counter so, uh, anyway, yeah, uh, it was a counter. <laughs> what he's trying to say is you're going to the terrorist <laughs> to talk about terrorism, oh, right? Man. Thank you, Noam. I know. Thank you. I, I, He's I the only one that understands me. I understand you. <laughs> you know, I've been to, I've been to conferences in Cairo and in uh, okay. Israel. You know, and it's interesting the questions you get baited. Um, <laughs> I remember I was at Cairo University, uh -huh. and uh, I had a Christian woman come up and then start. It was Mubarak at the time. Uh, what do you think about the barbarism of the Mubarak regime? And you know, you're surrounded with guys with notepads. <laughs> you know, they're all <laughs> internal security. And you're like, yeah, uh, 
think they're great. You know, like yeah. you're just right. BSing them to try and get out of the situation. Uh, and you get the weirdest like internal intel stuff there. Like it was That's a cool. it was a closed conference at Cairo University and they were like, no cameras, no, no cameras. And then like in the middle of it, they come up with a camera like this. Yeah, right on you. Yeah. Everybody in the face. Right. The crowd, you're like, you bastards. That's like, hilarious. Have you ever worked in the news in... I was in Egypt um, in 2007. Were you born in Egypt? I wasn't born in Egypt. I was actually born in New York, but my whole family left. I'm the only one that came back. Um, But I was there and I was 17, an aspiring journalist. And I was asking people about the government. My family was like, you need to stop. Like, they will. You speak Arabic? can't do that here. A little bit. Yeah, not fluently, but always trying to learn more. But yeah, they were telling me, they were like, you can't talk about the government here Mm -mm. at all. They're like, they will, like, I mean, you can, just not the Egyptian government. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, Israel's got equivalent, uh, you know, internal security. They're just not so uh, goofy dumb about it. Like the the internal. Like the Egyptians? Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, (laughs) you know, you're at an academic conference. Everybody's in suit and tie or, you know, dressed up. And then a guy, you know, is in an eight-year-old polo shirt that's mostly just eating, you know, is there like just writing down right. everything everybody says. And they, this is the funny part. They, they had a guy who was a professor um, and they wanted him to insult another professor from South Africa who wrote something aggressive about mm. uh, the Mubarak regime. So one point we're sitting in there and they go, we're going to take a break. They just stood up like in the middle of the panel. Of course. The Nigerians so were running and they're very confused. They were confused as soon as they got there. So they break up the panel they go in, they take the Egyptian professor in for 45 minutes. We have a 45-minute break in the middle of like, oh, 2 o'clock so in the afternoon. Of course. He comes back out. He's just sweating bullets. He's like, okay, we'll reconvene the panel. Let's go, let's go, let's go. They get everybody in. And in the middle of the panel, he stands up and he goes, I condemn Dr. And I won't put her name. She's already did her talk the day before. And she's just sitting there like this, you know, like you kind of do on day three of a panel. She's like, what is going on? He's just screaming at her. It was totally off topic. And wow. you saw like the internal henchman go, "Yep, that's right." And it, you know, like it was, it was, it was for show. It was like a thing. And the title of the conference was "Building Bridges in Kenya." <laughs> <laughs> so the irony of it was, no bridges were built. In fact, they were demolished. They were burned. Yeah, one hundred percent. I thought we were basically out of time, but I can listen to goofy Egyptian stories for hours. You have any more? You have any more stories to put? About the goofy Egyptians. Were you at AUC in Cairo? No, I, actually, I take that American back. University? No, Cairo University. I take that oh, back okay. totally yeah. because uh, you're here. I, and, and, and she's here. And she was Egyptian. No, but no, she's Jewish. She's Jewish. Ugh, no one is perfect. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just really want to make fun of Hatim. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's chill. <laughs> I, I've been to Egypt twice, actually. I love Egypt. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we we are interesting. We, you know, we're an interesting group of people. Lo- very lovable and very, you know, genuine, but well, very talking interesting. talking about us? Egyptians, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. I, I want to ask you, how, how is it like being Muslim and you are Muslim, right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, Egyptian or Arabic working in TV. Like, like you write news for... Right. Um, yeah. God. So Did they tell you like, okay, this story, hey, don't worry about it. That's a very good question. Obviously. I'm super interested. Oh, yeah. Right. So Thank network, you. television. You did, you did, that's, oh, that's, that's a good question. Right? It is. <laughs> They're not going to let you answer, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so like, excited. Oh, yeah, I'm, like, I'm so excited waiting. that he had a good question. No, I'm sorry. I'll tell you a quick story. We don't even want the answer. No, 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 no. No, I'm going to ask you, but uh, I've been... No, let her finish her answer. Can I tell her? You shut up. I'm going to have her answer. Okay. 
I've been. I told Clint that he I've been annoyed I give that, a that Noam has been asking great questions. So I told him I'm gonna find a great question and ask it today. So this is the question. This is your question. This What's is, it like in TV? I'm very proud of you. <laughs> yeah, great question. <laughs> Genius. Go ahead. So, so I mean, funny. it's really hard, right? I mean, because we're supposed to be unbiased. Um, and I guess, honestly, you know, working in network television and working in a digital like platform like CBS, BuzzFeed, obviously very polar opposite. Um, the night of the election, I walked into the hallway at 4 a.m. and I typed this long like narrative about how angry I was that this was happening. And my friends walked out um, and they were like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to post this long thing. And they're like, you won't have a job tomorrow. You know, um, it was just. Trump to me goes against everyone that's ever been discriminated against yeah. or has experienced sexism or has experienced, you know, racism or discrimination based on religion, you know? So that leaves me out. I, <laughs> <laughs> and so, I'm off. I mean, you know, it was it's Trump. very difficult to not to not be screaming from a hilltop about how upset I am about a lot of things. Yeah. Um but I also think that we are in a time where being informed, you've, it's never been more important to be informed. And I also think that in a way, the exact opposite of what a lot of people, racist people were hoping for is happening. People are, you know, speaking out against things and, you know, people are more aware of racism and Islamophobia and things like that. So I feel lucky and that's cheesy yeah. to be able to like push for stories about awareness. She, I, I told you the same thing. Like people are all up in arms about anti-Semitism now. Yes. Nobody cared before Trump was was president. About a lot of true. things, not just about I think, that. Yeah, hold on. I think he broke the, the record Jews today. Cared. He said anti-Semitism only seventeen times in this show. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> Make sure this isn't a highlight. Piece. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it is. It is both challenging and rewarding. I guess to sum that all up, it yeah. is. But I think for anyone right now, we you have a lot of emotions. If you're if you care about anything, you have a lot of emotions around what's going on right now. I'll ask you a question about Islamophobia. Right. Is there some basis for it? Well, it begins with no. Are you kidding? <laughs> well, let me, in other words, that if if when 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 uh, you heard that twenty five people died in a nightclub in Orlando, right? Did you think it was just as likely to be not Islamic as? As I was praying that it would be a white person. You were praying that it would be a white person? Yes. When uh, when a truck uh, drives into somebody on a bridge in London, do you, do you just flip a coin? It could be. Could, I mean, what I'm saying is that is is there something going on in the world now which is real, which people have to be careful how they speak about it because it can lead to bigotry. But on the other hand, to, right. ask, to ask people it to pretend is. it's not real I mean, is also unreasonable. No, if you think about it, it's already happening. Like, why did we hesitate to call Dylan Roof a terrorist? You know what I mean? And I'm sure we've heard a million people say this. Why do we only call Muslims and Middle Eastern people terrorists? You know, like, I think the media unintentionally or intentionally or whatever is pushing a certain type of stereotype around you know, Arab and brown people. But you are part of the media, so I am. Yeah, so do you? So do they tell you not to that. say? I mean, when there is that, when uh, I've never if there's heard an that attack, conversation outright. But we have had, we there's definitely disputes in the newsroom. That's like we should call these people terrorists. Yeah. You know, I'm sure. I believe you used to work in the media, correct? I have no idea what you're talking about. Maybe Fake not. News. I'm very wrong. I'm Fake sorry, news. but I mean, like, yeah, I, it's Hatem will bear, and this is I, I think about this all the time. Like I employ mostly young liberal 
people, waiters and waitresses and stuff, right? And they, I mean, there's not a Trump voter among them. They're, they're all left-wing people. Nevertheless, and they, and they will all get offended about things which pretend that the world is not like perfectly egalitarian and every ethnic group is exactly the same and equal. Mm-hmm. But if you speak to them privately, They'll mm-hmm. discuss the world exactly as it. They'll size it should, up yeah. every customer based on ethnicity. Right. Who tips well? Who doesn't tip well? Yeah. But if you were to look at their better. social media feeds, it's and, something completely because, different. Because and, and and they're not yeah. bigots. Because the reality is that the world isn't all. Everybody's the same. There yeah. are differences between when 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 people complain. And we talk about this all the time. When people complain, they don't want to buy stereos from uh, Israelis. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, of course you don't want to buy. You can't trust those Israelis in stereo <laughs> stores. You know, I'm not going to pretend that that you can. Or would you rather buy from a Mormon or an Israeli, Modi? Who do you think would give you the more honest? Depends answer? how you negotiate. You can get a lot further with the Israeli. <laughs> so when it when it comes Sit to this talking to Caleb, when it comes to the Islamic <laughs> issue, I think it there's a there's a there's a uh, backlash to it in the sense that Middle America is told they're they're supposed to pretend. Well, no, there's there's no Islamic terrorism in the world. I but there is. Right. Yeah. I don't think you can pin that on the religion, though. I mean, think about it. Like, we pushed not Christianity the on the Native Americans, you know. Well, hundreds of years ago, that would be that would be ago, legit. Yeah. But, I mean, and tens of thousands of people dying in the Middle East uh, <laughs> on by at the hands of people who, who say and think they're doing it in the name of Islam. So that's what you just said it. Yeah. Say and think, right? Yeah. So it's all about perception. And not, not only that, there is other... You know, victims in the Muslim world. Like there was a bomb in Pakistan like three days ago. Nobody heard about it. You know, well, that's Islamic. No. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, we only uh, hear about it if it's in France or here or in you know Russia right. or like somebody that you know. But it happens all the time to us. You know. So yeah, I right. agree. They should be cold. Are yeah. More than others. Others for sure. One hundred percent. Yeah. That's one of the big frustrations of Al Qaeda's affiliates in recent years. Is you saw the ISIS wave through Europe. Same week, 2,000 people died at the hands of Boko Haram. Yeah. No one cared. Oh, my Nobody. God. People um, all the time, Boko yeah. Haram. These attacks are not being covered at all. Yeah, Al-Qaeda hit hotels in three West African countries. It was a blip, you know, on the news. Well, it what do you ascribe that to? Bigotry? No, people just don't care uh, about places where, right. you know, people like them are, you and know, even... if it's not people like them or they can identify with or a place like Paris, you know, draws their imagination. If they can't visualize right. it. It's not that they don't care, but they can't mobilize their emotions around it. it. They can't see themselves in that position. I think that's a big part of it. That was the terror of 9-11, a devastating terrorist attack. But Americans around the mm. country know World Trade Center. They no know New, New York. York City. Yeah. They knew people close to or in or around there. They could visualize themselves. It was here. Being, yeah. Having that fear. It was and visceral. And that's why that. it was always a target. Yeah. You know, whereas if it's a random hotel in West Africa where they hear about violence in Africa, you know, right. they don't have enough context no to envision themselves in there. Yeah. And all. also, if you're led to believe that this is something that happens in this location relatively frequently, it's it, true. is it not hard to kind of muster a great deal of well, that's always the classic one you'll hear people say well there's tremendous violence in Iraq and you're like well South Chicago actually outpaces it you know on well, average I, on a given night so I think the mistake here is yeah. to think that people's reaction is compassion I mean there is there is some level of compassion right. when people die but but the, the immediate reaction is also oh it's Paris it could be New York next right you don't feel Absolutely. that way with Nigeria yeah you yeah. hear that all the time I'm just like can't I, identify I'm worried about it. my kids yeah. not, not that I don't care about anything that happens to anybody horrible in the world but frankly, more important to me is the safety of my family. So when I hear in a, in a Western capital, 
I'm like, well, Could we're not here. safe. Yeah. And it will. I, also, I actually believe it will. I think a lot of Americans assume that security in Europe is probably, they have their stuff together more than countries in Africa. And you correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, you know, there's just more law and order. It's what you hear or what you believe is your perceptions of it. Uh, and I, I just know from working in Africa, you know, at certain points, it actually feels much more safe than in places even in the New York City area. Right. Uh, and at other times, you can feel the tension, you know, in certain towns. Uh, like when you get up closer to Somalia, you can feel a noticeable rise in your spine, you know, and some of the things that you see and, and hear about there. And when violence, when you have violent outbreaks in that part of Africa, there's no stopping it. You know, like here, if we have something happen, you've got response. It would be nipped in the butt Yeah, you know, even a 9-11, we have a massive response. And <clears throat> things like that in Africa can go on for a while before someone sort of stands up to buffer those sorts of aggressions. And And I think that's something that's hard to understand until you go to some of those places. Right. There's no one really to counter those things. And so. nobody's going to those places. No. I have a question related to what you said earlier. You were talking about the uh, dearth of manpower in the federal government right now. God forbid another 9-11 type attack were to happen. What sort of response would we expect from a you know, federal government that is severely underfunded I, I or think, undermanned? I, I think you're going to be fine. I mean, I, I think the FBI, Department of Defense, all of them know what to do. I mean, we're, we, we say underfunded, but the, the spending from 9-11 to now has been a Mount Everest, you know, if you, if you tracked it. I think the concern is that there is not an understanding of what the administration's policies are on anything. Uh, they, they have not included longtime government people. Part of it is because they're rookies to government and they're a bit incompetent. And they don't know what they're doing. The other part is they came into town saying, this town's a mess. We know everything. We got it figured out because, you know, uh, we ran a website somewhere once, you know, that kind of thinking. And now you're going against CIA professionals who've got 30 years ago. That's what you thought. But, you know, here's the rest of the package that you didn't know about. Or you're going into the Department of Defense, which is a massive machine. Uh, and to be fair, that's yeah. always the case. It was the case with Obama, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, Obama, Obama never had the arrogance that Trump did, but True. Obama was going to get rid of the Patriot Act, and Obama was going to, and, and he got behind that desk and saw what was on his, he's like, oh, no, not so fast, you mm -hmm. know? Maybe we should keep all this Bush era surveillance. And actually, he seemed to increase some of it. And how about drone strikes? Ah, you know what? Killing little innocent women and children without any due process doesn't seem so bad when the alternative is terrorist attacks in America. So they all... I, I think uh, the daily churn of threats that a president sees and their whole staff trying to decide what to focus on, you know, like the presidential daily brief is a little bitty smidgen of what's going on, actually, in the whole national security apparatus, and it's the most scary stuff. So I think when you're a new president going in and you've never experienced that before, uh, it's pretty terrifying. I think if you're... Uh, it's been a long time since we had this, but somebody like an Eisenhower or whatever, you can kind of, it takes you a while to get your bearings. So for Obama, you could almost see it in him. It took him a couple of years to get like his handle around, okay, what do I want foreign policy to be like now that I see all these other this things? This would have been his best term. His third term would have been his best term. Yeah, and I, I mean- That's what we do. I think we I told you. I think I talked about it here. The counterterrorism policy, the last two years of Bush, all the way through Obama was basically the same. You know, it was the same trajectory. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Bush administration already done a course correction away from, you know, clear hold and build a rock and i honestly think we will mostly have that we've got a little bit of more aggression right now against isis um but 
with that, I'm a little bit concerned about what are we going to do. You can't fix it until you solve Syria. What I do mean, we do about North Korea? We have to end it. What do we do about North Korea? North Korea scares me more than just about anything right now. Like really? I, I, I just because we're seeing escalation without, I don't, I, I don't know, but I wonder inside government. Does everybody know? Like, okay, when the North Koreans do this, we're gonna, we're going. You know, we're gonna launch. Like we've made plans for sixty years. You know, to topple those guys. Are we gonna do this? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if the administration has thought that through. They've made a lot of tough talk, you know, towards North Korea. They're going to respond very differently. Uh, you know, just in the last, geez, I don't know, two months, I mean, we had the, he assassinated his own brother yeah. in an airport in Malaysia with a chemical attack, which is crazy. Uh, we've got missile launches. Um, we've got massive cyber attacks by North Korea on uh, U.S. financial, you know, institutions and the entire business sector. Um, and and across the world, they're doing cybercrime now very aggressively. So we're pushing towards some sort of response. And then you got to think about the, you know the countries there. Why wouldn't Japan do something? If Japan gets threatened enough, I mean those missiles are being fired towards the Sea of Japan. You know they're being fired out towards another country. Who's to say the Japanese won't say this is enough? You know we're gonna. Isn't the lesson from all this? That the diplomats, I wrote about, and I deleted it on Facebook, that the, the diplomats and the Fletcher School types and the people who want to show that they're, they're not barbarians, they always get it wrong. The only thing to do is to nip these things in the bud. You don't negotiate with North Korea, you take out their program. You don't negotiate with Iran, you take out their program. You take it out early. They make the same mistake over and over. Look where the experts have gotten us. Iran is is a danger to the whole world. North Korea is now a danger to the whole world. You can't put it back in. And other countries are emboldened. Uh, you draw a red line in Syria and you back off it. Now Russia is ascendant in Syria. They need to put their foot down about what's right. As, as I hate to sound like Dick Cheney, but I think Cheney <laughs> was right about this. You don't you don't negotiate with these evil types. You always get taken. Show me an example where we didn't. So I. I think there's two ways to look at it, too. You could look at uh, the Bush administration was, we've got a grand design for the world, and it totally didn't work out. You know, it was democratized. It started with Clinton, too, you know. Yeah, democratize yeah. the Middle East, you know, that sort of thing, and then they'll all behave. Um, then on the other side, you got Obama, who focused much more on domestic policy, was trying to get everyone out of Iraq and Afghanistan, and didn't want terrorist attacks in the homeland. Um, and it was kind of just keep everything stable. And now I'm not sure what we got, really. We have a series of tactical actions. I'm going to build a wall. Um, we're going to get tough on ISIS. Other than that, I have no no idea. And this isn't me just trying to bash the Trump administration. I just have no clue what their policy is on anything. And you have no clue what policy would work? No. I, I, we Who can't. knows? America has no idea what it wants, and so it will not get what it wants until it figures that out. It'll just be this constant frustration in foreign policy. So North Korea and Iran are more. And I, Russia, I mean. I are, put North Korea as and a Russia danger, more danger way higher than, than Iran. I see Iran as a more rational actor that has other I allies you. that you can inter, you can interface with them. They're, they're, not, they're intelligent, smart. They're driven for their objectives. I don't think anyone really has the clamps on North Korea, to include China, the way we would like someone to have it. Um, and that's why our China bashing right now also complicates it. Like, they are our one lever into North Korea to try and de-escalate something right now. So right. that that causes me concern. Lots of good things to sleep on. Yeah. Yeah. All right, any, any, anything else? Huh, Tim? Steven? 
Oh, Noam and I were one one small thing. Noam and I were we were arguing about this. <laughs> yeah. You made a point the last you time. You and Noam argue? No. Yeah, I know. It's, no, it's he weird. blocks him on his cell phone. Uh, I, I don't know what he's going to talk about, but believe me, he's gonna he's going to relay what I said in a slightly twisted and spun way to make me sound less sensible See, than I was. That's him inoculating Go himself ahead. from looking ridiculous. Uh, I'll correct you. Should you go to counseling. Uh, <laughs> uh, last time you were on the show, you were talking about how your biggest concern is not. Uh, a, t a terrorist attack it's per cyber. se, but but uh, it's cyber. I did. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just say yes, so we'll never get out of here. So say yes, no, yes, yes. No says to me, uh, well, what's the worst that could happen if there's a cyber attack? Like everything uh, just see, shuts you, down you and people are, are just going you, about their lives, and then the lights come back on, and then everything's I don't think fine. you said that. He said I, that I, to me. No, oh, to you. I, okay. I, I, what I said was. When he's driving and you call, <laughs> make sure that... <laughs> I said was that I, and I told you, I thought that Clint, because of where he's coming from, is right about all the cyber stuff, but I, but I think that he, I disagree with, I disagree with you in the, in the aspect of the, that people tend to discount the effect of the terror. When you uh, set off gas in the subway, Everybody's fucking afraid to leave their house in the entire country, in the entire Western world. When you shut down the power grid, it's not terrifying. Now, if you do something with cyber warfare that kills a lot of people, at that point you have the, the two the two things merge. But they can do they can wreak havoc by shutting down our power grid or shutting down the internet or whatever it is. But it would be kind of like the blackout. You sit home, you're doing nothing. It's it's awful. You lose a lot of money. But it doesn't terrify you. And I feel like the things which terrify us viscerally in the end are more serious to us as a society. That's what, I, that's what we're arguing about. He said no. Go ahead. Um, I mean, the one exception I would throw into that is a, a nuke getting fired into a city. You know, like... Which is, which is, the, which yeah. is actually the terrifying thing, just, right. just triggering it in a cyber right. way. But I think the cyber context, um, for me personally... The power goes out. I know how to take care of myself. Uh, I lived a lot of my life without the internet. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> However, I've been around uh, the generation now that's coming up that's always had electricity, internet, uh, <laughs> Wi-Fi. Yeah. You know. The snowflakes. <laughs> well, it's, Explain to it's, my little it, cousins what dial-up was. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting to watch the trauma they feel about not being able to access communication. And so think if you grew up for 20 to 30 years... And your entire life has been, you've been able to check your email instantaneously. You've mm -hmm. had access to everything. Uh, I think we, I brought up Hurricane Sandy, I think, last time. You know, you had people really panicking. And most of the models around, like, runs on banks and gas and everything were off by half. Like, they would say, we've got four days to get things back up and running before people start freaking out. People were freaking out in about two days. Um, and you can't call anyone I don't think we realize how connected we are as a people right now. And to have that taken away uh, across all of society where we don't live with our parents anymore. You know, we live at great distances. Uh, we're used to being able to communicate back and forth. Uh, we're used to having access to Walmart, which provides us everything. That goes away real quick. You're talking about cleaned out shelves. Uh, New Orleans, you know, from her, uh, whatever the hurricane was, it hit down there. And so... Yeah, but the images of people in flames jumping off the world trade. So like, I don't see a rush to war in 2001 
if they had shut down the power grid, even for two yeah. weeks. I mean, they, it's they, not like 9-11. So you don't see the same level of panic with that sort of situation as you do with a 9-11. I, you know, it's just human. Like they say, like you can't, you can't get somebody to be afraid of an electric outlet the way yeah. they're afraid right. of spiders. Right. It's just, you can't, it, even though an electric outlet can, is more deadly than a spider. And to prove his it, point. Seeing real terrorism, people dying, gas, yeah. whatever, it just has a different Visuals effect on, a, a, different on effects, a human being. Yeah. Yeah. To prove his point, they didn't make any movies about the blackout, right? Like it's only about terror attacks and stuff like that. So, what? yeah. So yeah, it's not yeah. like that. So, Modi, thank you so much. Well, you want to share your. Uh, Clint, you know, he didn't get the response he wanted from you, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what were you thinking, I would say? Well, I didn't that know I was a, was that a, I was a dummy. Well, I was hoping that was <laughs> you. That's not what I was thinking. I say. understand the fear part. I think something that hasn't happened yet and will happen is a large section of a country getting shut off. You know, for a while, it's going to yeah. happen. Not necessarily because a country does it, but because some young guy, a terrorist or a hacker, has the same capability as a nation state and has no consequences. It's and irresistible. Says, and I, somehow I can shut down. Pick any city. Yeah. And just break it. And so they do. And that is what gets me really yeah. concerned because you cannot fix it necessarily. Yeah. Right. And I, I have a feeling that it's going to be Depot. I don't know, for some for some reason, he's like very concentrated. He did that. ask to see my phone. Before. Yeah. Oh, Sorry. okay. There you and go. And I got a little nervous. There you go. What do you think is going to be, I guess, the biggest change in this nation under this administration? Because there have been a lot already. Well, the um, Oval Office, for one, right? It's all well, gold I mean, now. Yeah. It's but I mean, these guys <laughs> are so, so vulgar. A lot right? of them oh are God. very hilarious. underqualified for the positions that they're in. I mean, look I, at, you know, Trump's son-in-law now is, you, you know, appointed with revamping the whole federal government. Literally. Well, you see, yeah, he's the, no Ron Brown. You, you know, see through this, though, right? I mean, the Kushner-Ivanka thing, you know what that is, right? This is dynasty making for... When the office, when Trump is done in office now, he has anointed Jerry Kushner, Ivanka, as the next generation to carry on the legacy. This oh, is wow. he is doing this. Look, he was a foreign policy diplomat. Uh, he went to Iraq and walked around real stuff. He's passing this, <laughs> this is ticket we call it ticket punching. You he know, in political a, business, in it's very smart. I, I think yeah. the thing that will be most interesting to me is this administration. I'm going to say it, and liberals will freak out. Uh, the Trump administration could actually end up great because of his early failures, and here's why. You're going, you've already seen Deputy Chief of Staff, Deputy National Security Advisor, National Security Advisor, uh, Bannon moved out yeah. you know, today. They're in the chef, less too. than three months. We've already seen <laughs> tremendous turnover of the people we worried about the most. And in that gap, one thing about Trump is he wants to look good and he wants to be successful. He's a narcissist. And he is going to turn and just, he's going to turn to the most responsible adult mm -hmm. like a Mattis and go, get me out of this any way I can. Who should we put in there? And they're going to take and pick second, third time the, some people that are pretty good. I mean, that's, you, you see know, that with McMaster who came in as a national security advisor. Yeah. What you're describing. You, you might end up with, by default, a really good outcome, but not by design, but by Not default. right away. What, what you're describing primary. makes total sense. I, I'd said the same thing. And what's interesting to me is that people, liberals, will not even accept the possibility. Like, it makes perfect sense. Like, is a narcissist. He's not ideological. He 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 is a billionaire. He has made some 
adjustments and course corrections in his career. Everyone's loyal to him, and he's loyal to no one. It's, yeah. a, it's a weird dynamic. Yeah, he nailed it. Uh, is yeah. he loyal to no one? I wonder if uh, that's inner true. Inner circle, family for sure. I, that's Other not exactly than his true, family, I, mean, I wouldn't say In business anybody. relationships, he will trade them off when it's not you yeah. know beneficial anymore. So. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he, he may exercise common sense, and at some point, get in the groove you know yeah and and drive everybody nuts i they, think he's they... definitely learned from the first month you know just signing a bunch of executive orders without thinking about i guess what would happen next he doesn't know what's in those executive like, orders exactly he didn't he had nothing to do with that he didn't even remember to sign one this week i, mean, I know ah, that no. video was hilarious <laughs> it, I was was, dying. it was a funny pence video. was like uh uh and just oh speaking of which i think we forgot to press record <laughs> <laughs> uh are we done <laughs> yes we should be done yeah um, Modi, would you like to share your Twitter or email? Or sure, um, ModiLive.com brings you to all of them. ModiLive.com. Once in a while, I'm more Instagram and Facebook. Same. Yeah. Also more Instagram and Facebook. Clint, uh, I'm Selected Wisdom, uh, Selected which was wisdom. originally a blog I had that I need to. Fix Are you verified it. yet? You should get verified. Now. Okay, You're okay. verified. Like, you be. have the check mark. <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow. I never met anybody at a check mark before. Yeah, I actually had it before the hearing because uh, there was a, what we believe, we don't know for sure, a Russian troll account called Clint Watts. It was a lot of like topless guy with oh, topless yeah. girl stuff. That's, that why, I, that's why we invited you here. <laughs> no. I was say, that's why we made fun <laughs> yeah. of you. That's Dan uh, Tinder. Those are just teaser pictures, by the way. You <laughs> do you want to share the good news or... Later. No, uh, we should wait. So okay, we'll wait. So. Okay. Uh, Steven? Follow Chinabria, China Bria on Instagram and Twitter and follow the Comedy Cellar. Can I ask yeah. why that name? I used to live in China and ah. my last name is Calabria. So okay. I figured nice. Mesh the two. That's nice. What the hell? Can I say anything without you shaking? Thank your God head? you live in Livingston, New Jersey. I was hearing Livingston, a song in my head. I'm still standing. And uh, Rhonda? <laughs> uh, Rhonda Olnagar is my social media everywhere Facebook, Instagram. Spell it, spell it. No R H O N D A E L N A G G A R. Look how everyone is constantly. What's wrong with I'm still standing? Nobody cares. My, my son's favorite song. Oh, oh okay. You guys are right. just looking for any reason to fight, eh? Yeah, they're like... Uh, There's always a reason. And it's live from <laughs> AmericaPodcast.com, I think. You so. think? You ought to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. We have to end with a joke every okay. time, remember? Uh, and Deepu? Uh, Deepu they... didn't say anything today. Well, I usually don't. <laughs> no, no, you usually do. You usually say at least one thing. Oh, you're insane! I've never, I haven't said anything in like three fuck? months. Three months. Okay, go ahead. But if they want a studio like this, if they like video like the ones they are seeing right now, they can go to streamguru.net uh, and uh, get my services. Is that is that required, the Robert Kelly, or can we take it down if somebody wants to? Uh, you know, the next studio will probably not have that. Uh, if I have anything to say about it. You know, I used to live here. This used to be my apartment, by the <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah, really. Anyway, okay. Good night, everybody. Good, good night. night. Good Thank night. you. <laughs> You were listening to Live from America podcast. To contact us, please go to www.livefromamericapodcast.com. Brought to you by the Comedy Cellar and Rethink Production.